giving, I won't stress that line one bit. Worshipped, not sung today. Now preach with me, please, would you? I'm sincere when I say it. Would you all over here on the musician side? Thank you and praise you. Will you all preach with me in the congregation? Amen. And online? Ooh, that was loud. Thank you. Praise God. I am so glad to be a child of God. Can you say amen? I think of the alternative in the world, and I consider what it would be like to be following a false god. And when I say that, you have to understand, and I've said this statement in the past, but it's very, very true and it's appropriate. The only thing that is different between us today and those people in that day is electricity. <laughs> the enemies are still the same. The Canaanite gods haven't gone away. This Baal that we talk about, or Baal that, that we explain that the Philistines had, now we see this one they call Allah. And my friends, listen to me. You're just seeing a 21st century, same can, different rapper, a false god. Can somebody say amen? And they are tricked and betrayed by this around the world. And we're praying that God will open the eyes of these people and let them see, but in the same way, protect and keep your hand on the people that are there today, and I know they will. I know you've heard, but tonight at 5 o'clock, you want to be here on time. The food is going to be wonderful, and we're going to celebrate. You have some wonderful pastors, amen, in this house, and they're going to be celebrating those, and I praise God. Now, let me ask you, if you're a first-time visitor, just wave at me. It's all you have to do, wave. And... Uh, right back there, right, right there is those two. And let me just tell you, all you have to do is come up here and sing a special and preach a short message, and no problem. We don't embarrass people here, but we're so glad you're here. If you're watching for the first time online, thank you for joining us at the Sanctuary of Hope here in Bee Creek Road in Branson, Missouri. And again, uh, don't forget our services typically at Sunday night and Wednesday at 630 God bless you. Go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 in the NIV. Would you do that? Hebrews chapter 1. And Hebrews, this culmination of great writers, put together a, an incredible composition of comparisons of Old and New Testament. But in all of those things, it was to the glory of Jesus. And that's the focus of everything I want to talk about today. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 in the NIV, the Bible says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. Now, we, we understand that if you read the first covenant or the Old Testament, as some call that this is this, this first blush with mankind that God gives us. And he starts out with the very beginning, the history, the creation of all that exists. In the beginning, Elohim. In the beginning, God. This multi-personality God. This incredible one God. Beside him, there is none other. Created all that's created. And through this first covenant, we understand and we see who he is. 
and what he has done for us. And we see the path that he made for us through the order of sacrifice and the particular order of service and the holiness of his name, how we approach him and how God responds to us. And he spoke to us as a group through prophets through the Old Testament. And these prophets, you, you hear major and minor prophets. There's really not major and minor in the fact that one's more important than the other. It's a lot of time the volume of information they gave. But in the major and the minor prophets in the Word of God, we're hearing things that not only are appropriate for the day when they're prophesying, but in the day we're living in, particularly if you look at the book of Joel in the Old Testament. He said that in the last days, and I'm going to be talking to you from the perspective of where you are. You see, I believe this. This is my personal opinion. And I've been, I've been in conversation with some great preachers across the country this last week that aren't prophets as so, but their study in the prophetic is deep, and I have great confidence in these men of God. It was funny that on Wednesday morning while I was talking to some of these men, we were talking on a phone, one point came to light at one time in all of us as we were in this little call. And this was the point. Could this be the beginning? Now, let me just tell you something. If you're a child of God, the beginning for a child of God is a time to celebrate, a time to worship. Because we're talking about the nearness of the coming of Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church, the catching away of the church. If you have followed my studies, and I think it's appropriate, God's timing is so perfect, but my studies on Wednesday evening, I've been leading you chapter by chapter of the book of Revelation. And whereas after chapter 5 into 6 forward to the end of the book, the church is absent. Judgment begins in Revelation at that point. Now, at chapter 18... There's something that happens that's long waited for and long lived and wanted. And that's final, the finally God has reached the very limit of his mercy and his patience with the armies and the enemies of God. And he destroys the kingdom of Antichrist and destroys the false prophet, destroys the harlot, the great harlot. When we describe what's happening in that book, and we see today that kingdoms have risen. If you see in chapter 18, 17 on back, it talks about a monster, as it were, a dragon kind of. Well, the dragon's really always referred to as Satan, but this monster coming out of the sea, the sea represents masses of people, and it has seven heads and ten crowns. The Bible says that five of those are five kingdoms that have already been. One will come, and then a second will come over that, and then finally the Antichrist kingdom and his government will come as the eighth. But the ten crowns are something that are appropriate for today because these are ten kingdoms that will align themselves with the Antichrist, and this harlot that rides on the back that's dressed in robes of dark red and purple, these blues, these royal colors, is an ecumenical group 
of religious leaders around the world that's going to support the Antichrist in, in his government. But it, when you get and see all these things, it looks overwhelming. And it looks as if that the enemy wins and all of these. And when we hear these reports today of these atrocities and things that are going on, it's hard to see the good things, if there's anything good we can pull out of that. But it's hard to see that because we're not seeing this overall picture. But I am telling you as a child of God that we are on the winning side. And in God's mercy, I don't know how God operates individually with the martyrs. But from chapter 7 in Revelation on, we talk about the martyrs that are under the throne saying, How long, God? How long will you go before you avenge what's happening to us? Well, if you go to 18, you see that he avenged. And when God's mercy runs out, it's not a matter of his anger. It's a matter of it's over and judgment comes in. I'm saying all that to tell you this. If there is anything in you today, and I'm, I'm saying this as humbly as I can put it in my vocabulary, if there's one thing in your life that you're letting interfere with your relationship with Jesus Christ today, remove it immediately. Get it out. It's not worth it. There's nothing on this earth that's worth the compromise of your relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not worried about you maybe robbing a bank or doing something, but I am worried about apathy, about how we think we're okay or we're hearing from something or someone else, and they're telling us <clears throat> the only one that can tell you is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will not lie to you, and he will not lead you into wrong ways. And when you ask God, Show me the truth and help me to see the truth. And he does show you the truth. Don't resist the truth. Stay with the truth. Give yourself to the truth and get away from things that take away from the fullness of the word of God or the truth of the word of God. Teachings that are false. Directions or leaders that are telling you things that's their opinion. There is only one opinion and that's the word of God. And we will preach nothing but the Bible in this house and only say what God says, not what man says. But he's telling us to pull in. He says where God in the past spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. But listen to this. Now this is the book of Hebrews. This is at the time of the living of Paul, who's one of the great writers of this book. And so we're looking at two millenniums, and we're listening to his word, both, but in these last days. If it was the last days then, where are we today? Where are we today? The Bible warns of this truth, too. It says that in the last days, many will say, show us the signs of his coming. We've heard about this since our forefathers. We've heard about this to, we don't, to the point of show us some proof. He said that in itself is the proof that we're living in a time. He said people will run with itching ears to hear teachers that have these ideas instead of the truth of the word of God that try to indoctrinate people and pull them away from the word of God. Watch out for these things and don't. Listen to these words other than the words of God. But in these last days, he has spoken to us, listen to this, by his son, 
whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. It's saying here, I'm speaking to you through Jesus and Jesus alone. And he is the creator of all that's created. When you see in the beginning God and you see the creation of everything, we're looking at Jesus from the very beginning of the word of God to the last word in the book of Revelation. He is the summation of everything. And if you want to know what the world is embattled about today, let me tell you, and I want to make it very clear, it's not Hamas or Hezbollah. It's not Assyria or Lebanon or Iran. It's not the countries that are for or against Israel. The battle is because of the name of Yeshua. That's the name of the battle today, because of the name of Jesus Christ. Satan has war, raged war against us, anyone on this earth. It's not just jihad. It is a battle of the government of the Antichrist that's growing in nature in this country and in this world and in the foolishness of our ideas and intellect. We see things and look at them as something progressive and something cosmopolitan and something that's new and exciting when they're old, the same lies that have been and put out on the line again to redry and hand to someone else. It's a lie from hell and Satan is doing what he was doing in the very beginning when he tried to take heaven away from God which was a futile attempt. He's created and God's the creator. The word of God says that he'll fail him cut him down with the breath of his nostrils but in his arrogance and lostness against God he actually believes that he can rage war against God and the son of God but this whole war thing we're talking about is because of Jesus Christ it's boiling down to that we're coming down over the ages we've come through all the different things that have occurred all the different points of history. We've come through the Jews and they're traveling and they're wandering to 1948 when this great nation and this flag of my family is right over here by the other flag of my family. And we see how God brought this nation together for this time because the culmination of everything we read in Revelation tells us that it's going to be Jerusalem is going to be the center and the focus of all that's going to happen. And it's there that the defeat of the Antichrist and the false prophet and Satan himself is going to come and they're going to be cast out into the lake of fire and destroyed and the church in chapter 19 is finally going to stand up and say hallelujah there's been vengeance to the church of God there's been a reprisal of God and he changes everything from that point forward it's through him who made the universe listen as I talk about the supremacy of Jesus. God speaking through these prophets. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, verse 3. And the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things, his powerful word 
After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He's saying that there is one source of salvation, one source of cleansing of your sin, one way to be cleansed and brought into the presence of God. And my friends, listen to me. We're eat up in our world today of these People between us and God. They're, listen to me. We don't have high priests anymore. We have one high priest. We don't have mediators anymore between us and God. Yes, I'm your shepherd. Yes, I'm your pastor. But you don't need me to get to God. No one needs a man to get to God. We can go to God because of the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ that he says here. He sat down. At the right hand of the majesty. Not just to set but to be an adversary for us. So he became as much superior to the angels. As the name has inherited its superior to them. Inherited their superior to theirs. Continue on in verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say you're my son? Today... I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into, into the world, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking, verse 7, of the angels, he's saying, he makes his angels winds and spirits flames of fire. But about the son, he says, listen to this. Now, this is something important you need to see. Because even in evangelical circles today, even myself, I've been confronted by men of God that have listened to false doctrine. You have no idea how much false doctrines in the world today. Man's opinion, man's ideas, getting you away from you don't need to come to church. You don't need to be in church. You don't need to listen to the word of God. Just listen to me. That is a sign of a false prophet. Listen. I'm begging you to listen. I'm not saying adhere to me. Don't see through me. But see through the trap of the last day when these absolutely hard things to see are there. And it takes the Holy Spirit for you to see. But here's God speaking about his son. And listen to this. And about, verse 8, but about the Son, he says. This is God. Look, but about the Son, he, that should be a capital H-E. He says, listen to this. Your throne, God speaking about Jesus. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. Whoa, hold on. Here's the Father, and he's speaking to the Son. He's already confirmed he's the son. He's already said he is. But he's saying this to him. Your throne, oh God. You see, because I cannot get my intellect, and that should be where you laugh right there. My thinking, my ability to understand. You see, the problem today 
with false doctrines is when we reach the end of our intellect or our ability, then we make up something to make God fit into our ability to understand him. We'll never understand God. We'll never comprehend him. It's hard for anyone to even understand the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but being one, but being in their character. But it's Scripture and God speaking it. How clearly can it be? But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, referring to Jesus as God, because Jesus is God. Can someone say amen? Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And the righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. Oh my goodness. When I, when I read this and I see the power and the authority ascribed to God. Through Jesus. Through the Father. To Jesus. In verse 10 he says. He also says in the beginning O Lord you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. You'll roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years never end. Wars. 1948. In God's promise, in his providence, this flag was created in 1948, the Star of David became the focal point because of the promise of God that the nation would come under the rule of David's throne. This became a nation. But from the very first of 1948, which was the Arabs-Israeli war, there was war. Now I'm going to tell you something this morning and listen to me. There's a difference between battles and war. And, and I'm, I'm being very simplistic, but I'm telling you. Battles are components inside wars. And there are many battles that you'll fight. As I was looking and counting up Israel's battle from 1948 to 2023, in that short span of time, the 1948 war, the Palestine um, and uh, the Palestine War of the 50s and 60s, the Suez Crisis in 56, the Six-Day War in 1967, which was a famous battle. The War um, of, of, uh, of the the War of 1967 to 70, Yom Kippur War, very familiar war in 1973, the uh, Palestine insurgents from 71 to 80 in 1982. Lebanon went to war against, again, Lebanon went to war. Now Lebanon's threat. You know, you think after three times of getting beat, but the enemy never gives up. He keeps on. I, I read all those and then eight more. I think it's 18 in battles that would be considered at war in a nation that was founded in 1948. There's been a sustaining war trying to destroy Israel. It's because they don't like the Jews. I must tell you 
that this at the very core and the basis of the hatred of the nation of Israel and the Judaism and all that they've suffered through the uh, different horrific things with the Nazis and different punishment around the world. And now today in the wars they've found, it boils down to one Jew that was born in Bethlehem and his name was Jesus Christ and he is the king of the Jews. Pilate put it on his title as he hung above as you see it on that cross. He said, this is the king of the Jews. He was saying in mockery maybe, but in truth, he is king of the Jews. And this is the nation that because of that name has suffered these many, many things. But there's a reckoning day coming from an almighty God that says, I hear the voice of my people. I hear the cry of them. But my friends, listen to me. For us that are outside the battle and we're looking and thinking we're not in a war zone you are terribly, terribly misunderstanding everything. You live in a war every day as a child of God. The target on you is no different than the target on the Jews by the enemies of God. You live in a constant battle. When I look at the battles that we stand under, they started in the garden. In fact, they started prior to that when Satan attempted to take control of heaven and he was kicked out, soundly defeated. In the garden where he de deceived Adam and Eve and these wars that were taking place going on. I continue to look and see at the birth of Jesus how he tried to destroy, how he tried to stop. Even further back with Moses, when he spared Moses, but the only one. But when Jesus was born, that war that took place, trying to destroy him and God's protection. In the life of Jesus, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but in every case, in every war that was fought, God won. God was preeminent, and Satan has never ever, ever, ever to this point, ever won the war against God. And it depends on who I'm with. Am I with God or am I with some goofball out here that wants attention, religious attention, or do I want something that the Word of God tells me is rock solid? I'm telling you, it's our choice. But if you'll stay in the solid Word of God and away from the foolishness that's crept into Christianity and look at serving Jesus Christ, you're going to be on a side that's winning that has never known defeat nor will ever know defeat. The wars continued until the failed temptation of Jesus when he went into the ministry, when Satan came to him and offered him everything that anyone could ever want in the flesh. But he forgot about the other side of Jesus. He didn't believe in the deity and the fullness of God. But he found out that Satan soundly defeated him. The crucifixion. Thinking he had defeated him. You see bad things are happening right now in Israel. Horrific, horrible things. We're hearing about the things that history overlooked in the past or wouldn't report. The atrocities. We're hearing about them today. We're seeing them. 
The crucifixion was one that we all know. The world knows that we see crucifixion. I had a friend uh, from India, P.C. Samuels, a great, great man of God from India, was talking about when he was saved as a little boy. And, and being Hindu, he was walking through the street. And a lady was standing outside of a little church. And she motioned him to come. And he walked over. And when he walked into the church and listened to the message, a light came on the wall and he began to realize that there was something supernatural going on here. And Jesus began to speak to him and let him know that I am real, that I have risen from the dead. I am God and beside me there is no other God. And that light and that understanding that came out of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is still going on today. I don't know how he appears to people, but I know there's no one been left out that has that opportunity and his supernatural way. God is going to encompass everything and everyone. He's telling us, though, to stay close and stay tight and not stay fearful at all, but stay diligent in the battle because we are at war. The battles will be many. There was a battle against the coming of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus won again. And he's not only one again, he's one here today. You can receive this gift. All you have to do is ask him. It's not foo-foo, it's not foolishness, it's real. I wouldn't stand here with any, not a chance in the world would I tell you something that's not true. I've experienced this gift of God, this strange strength and power that comes. And by merely asking him to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and strengthen you. That's the plan of God. And enemy, all, the enemy has never been able to stop it or squelch it. That power is growing and will continue to grow in the world today. And it's going to grow in this church in grace force starting next Sunday night with another resurgence. This battle that are many in your life is part of a war. But it began the day you were born. You were born in a war zone. You were born in an area that has to look to God for help or not. But in looking to God for help, for trusting in Him, in relying on Him, we see the power of the supremacy of God. But friends, listen to me. There's going to be many, many, many battles in your life. But there's only, they encompass one thing, a war. And we are at war. It's not Assyria or Iran. We're at war against an enemy that's trying to destroy you the same way, in the same exact way as it is trying to destroy Israel. The enemy's trying to take your life. He'll offer you things that are foolish. He'll offer you areas and avenues that are foolish. Things that look good, but they're not. He'll offer you the world. But Jesus is offering you eternity. All the things the prophets spoke about, Jesus was. Amen? He is everything. He's the source of everything that's going on in the world today. And if you can't see this, I'm going to pray that God gives you insight that you haven't had before to understand how close we are 
to the coming of Jesus Christ. Not that with fear at all. Not that with worry at all. But that with a burden that I'm going to take everyone I possibly can with me. In this battle that I'm in, this part of this war I was born in, I'm going to fight against the enemy through the power of the name of Jesus Christ who God himself calls God and his son and his preeminent and supreme above everything. I'm going to soak myself and, and find myself involved with him more than I've ever been so I'm not fooled by the trickery of the enemy trying to pull me away from the very mission of serving Jesus Christ and I'm going to give my life to Christ in a way I've never, ever, ever done because I want to be in war, but I want to be in war with him as my king, not the world. Well, Pastor, I'm glad that you have Jewish blood in you and you're all excited about this. I'm just not getting into this. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yeah, you are. You haven't got a choice. It has nothing to do with my blood. It has everything to do with where we are in the world today. You're going to be on one side or the other. You're going to be in the Word with Jesus or you're going to be tricked, and you're going to be on the side. That doesn't mean you're going to become a Muslim, a jihadist. It doesn't mean you're, but it means this, you're going to be tricked into not trusting Jesus alone in your life. And it's so deceptive. The only way, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm talking now, I'm not preaching, but I'm telling you as your shepherd, the only possible way that you can avoid this is a close intimacy with the Holy Spirit. He's the revealer of these things. He, he tells us what's going on. With a decline of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this world, it tells me that in this war we're in, Satan is trying to remove the effect and the nature and the conscience of God in men and women today. And I understand that's his goal, but I don't believe for a second he's going to win. This resurgence of the Holy Spirit. It's not old-fashioned. It's not something that happened back. It's not a time in the 50s, 60s, 70s. These resurgence, these revivals, the nine. It's none of that. This is this individual intimacy that God has given us from the day of Pentecost to today that gives us power and the revelation of who he is and the ability to stand against the enemy that's trying to take your soul. Am I worried? No. I'm not worried. Am I concerned? Terribly. Terribly. 18 battles, 18 wars since 1948. Is this just another one? I can't say that it is. I can't say that it's not. I can't tell you that this is the beginning. But in my heart, there's something different about what's happening now. Because when I read the prophetic... And I study and I see Israel being surrounded. And I see nations coming against them, even with the talk. We're hearing talk of support right now. I will tell you this. I'm a dyed-in-the-wool St. Louis Cardinals fan. But this last week, someone sent it to me. I have to show it to you. The Philadelphia Phillies, on their screen, you know the screen is massive, put the flag of Israel with 100,000 people at that game and said, we stand with Israel. And they all stood up cheering. Praise God. 
Praise God. Well, let me just tell you something else. In little old Branson, Missouri, in a small church of people that come together today, we put the flag of Israel up, and we stood cheering, saying, we stand with Israel. I'm going to tell you, when we say that, we're saying this. We're standing with the God of Israel, and the God of Israel has a name, and it's Yeshua, Jesus. The pureness of who he is. I'm telling you as a pastor, listen to me. If you think I'm trying to recruit church growth, I'm not. I, I, I've been through this. Folks, I have been through, the, you have no idea, through all the different techniques of growing your church and getting numbers. Numbers don't mean nothing without the Spirit of God. In this church, one time when we first started the church, I ran a little ad in the newspaper. From that point, for the last 20 years, we have never advertised this church. Well, that's silly. That's food. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's how the Lord's left me. Now, there's a big sign coming up the outer road there, and this great company that made our sign out in front wants to put our logo up there, and I may do that, but we've never advertised because I'm not trying to build numbers. I'm trying to build root systems. And do I want more people to come? Yes. But I'm going to tell you, if you're watching online, you're part of this congregation. I'm going to tell you right here. If there was ever a time, not out of fear, but if there was ever a time out of going closer to Jesus that you should be in church, I'm telling you, you need to rearrange your schedules because I believe we're in the day of the coming of Jesus Christ. I believe this is going to escalate. I don't know to what degree, but now we have Russia that's making threats. Iran is like a nothing. That's a Jewish term. That's all they are. Just two stealth bombers in Iran's third world again will destroy their, their oil refineries, and they go back to riding camels. Fine with me. The same with Assyria and the other nations. But this is, we're not in a war with nations, believe it or not. We're in a war with the development of the government of Antichrist. So we have to not see, sometimes you don't see what's in front of you. Well, how's it? You can't see the woods for the, the trees for the woods or whatever. We don't see what's there. But I'm telling you, as your pastor, I'm, I'm imploring you to understand that these are the last days. This is what Hebrews talking about. This is the time. The foolishness that's being preached. And people are running to hear. That has nothing to do with the message of Jesus Christ. Their opinions. The foolishness we're hearing of false doctrine. The foolishness to believe that Allah is a God. The foolishness of Buddha being a God. The Hindi faith. Being, these people need Jesus. They need to take the blinders off, and they're not going to take the blinders off without witness, and God's going to give us that witness through our lives. But in this church right now, I'm telling you that we're being weighed in the balances, and I'm speaking from the Holy Spirit right now. We're being weighed in the balances, and these things that we're starting Sunday night are just not a program. I, I promise you, for the last two or three years, I'm so bad at looking back on dates and times, but for the last at least two years, 
have been burdened, that we start bringing a service on Sunday nights where people come in and they're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Ghost, that strength and power comes, not an emotional, not sensational, not fanatical, but true, sovereign move of God. And church, I want to tell you something. This is only going to happen, not because Pastor Benaiah was touched, because God did. He ordained him with this. He wrote the paper. He sent it in. This professor, who's a tremendous man of God, not only gave him a grade, didn't even put a red mark on it. He brings it back to me, and he says, here's a program. And I looked at this, and by myself, silently, I, I wanted to cry. I thought, God, I can't do this alone. I have to do it with others. I'm praying that every pastor on this staff has a heart burning desire, a cry to be part of this. I'm praying for every person in this. This is not a commercial. I'm telling you, this is an opportunity that will come, but it will go as well. Do you want revival? Do you want more of Jesus in your personal life? For anyone to believe that you have enough, you've already believed a deception. You'll never have enough. For those of you that believe you're getting it something or somewhere else, that's a deception. That's not true. We're living in the last days. And we're living in a time that the church has got to pull in. Not in cowardice. Not in not in survival mode, but in victory. And I want this to be a house of victory, a house of glory. And so I'm, I'm imploring you next Sunday evening to be part and to come and let's start filling this house back up again. And what you do will, will dictate what we do. You say, you're making us feel guilty. No, I'm not. I'm telling you there's an opportunity. Well, we don't typically go to church on Sunday night. I want to tell you something. The situation and the day will come where you'll do everything in your power to get to church. But why wait? I could tell you something that just happened last week in Springfield. I'm afraid online to mention it. But if, when, when we turn this off, because I don't want this all over the country. But when we turn this off, I'm going to tell you something that just happened last week in Springfield. And Ruth was present when it did. But we're living in a nation that is as volatile as Israel. Because I've been to Israel, and I tell you, I explained Israel as being like Mayberry. And it was. So peaceful, so wonderful. We walked along the shore in Tel Aviv. We went to, you know, to Jerusalem and walked in Yom Kippur, you know, just down the main street. Wasn't it anybody? Couldn't even punch a elevator button. I mean... Is wonderful. Highways better than our highways. Modern areas. Caesarea. All these places. The sea that Jesus preached on. Uh, on the very boat they rode across the eye. I've been there. I've seen it. And I tell people, it's the greatest place. It's safe. But today it isn't. And if you think America can't change overnight with sales, you're foolish. Trying to scare us? No. I'm trying to tell you, let's be ready. Let's be prepared. Let's not settle for anything less. Get in here. This is where God's placed you. This is his providence.
Okay, pastor, we get it. We get it. We got it 10 times ago. Okay, but I'm still going to keep telling you. Let's get in. Amen? Stand to your feet with me.